0: Welcome to Week 15 of the QB2 Experience Podcast. You're listening to uh, the voice of Salvatore Stefanelli. I do apologize if I'm a little raspy on your end. I've been uh, under the weather since Saturday, so this is going to be my, um, you know... My sick game, I guess you can call it. I know there's <laughs> always those historical performances over the years we've seen from athletes. What is it? Was it Michael Jordan had a flu oh, game yeah. once? Oh yeah, flu so, game. Yep. So this will be my flu game of the uh, podcast equivalent. So. That means every pick will either be a home run or a strikeout. I don't think there's any in-between when you're sick. It's either you're the best ever or the worst ever.
1: I'm I'm thinking, Sal, you'll be draining threes this week. Let's go with that. So hopefully it's more
0: goat-esque than anything. Uh, The voice you heard talking to me belongs to my uh, insightful co-host, Jim Sonis, who you can find on the Twitter machine at uh, Jim. S.I. No, not S.I. That'd be kind of cool if you did work for S.I.
1: though. Jim. S-A-N-N-E-S. Jim Sonis. Uh, How are you doing there, Jim? I am not too shabby, Sal. Uh, Hopefully, you're starting to feel better because I think that uh, when Sal's down, the whole fantasy industry is down a little bit too. So hopefully, you're starting to feel a little bit better. Uh, But we're we're all right up in here. How are you you feeling now?
0: Uh, I'm feeling much better than I felt Saturday when I was first sick, but it's been a, a slow gradual healing process. I've never been a quick healer in my life. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm still nursing a knee injury from playing football in high school.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's – that's. I might be too. I still get fluid, actually. That one's kind (laughs) of real.
0: There we go. But um, if you caught – the first thing I said at the beginning of this podcast is that this is week 15. This is the second most important week of the fantasy football season. In some cases, it's the most important Because you can't make it to the show unless you win this week. So it's pretty vital. And uh, it's also kind of crazy to think that it's already week 15.
1: That is insane. Like, uh, I know that we've been lamenting the end of the season basically since, like, week (laughs) 8. But, like... At this point, it's just like there are three weeks left, two weeks, or two weeks, I guess, for season long, unless you have some strange league that, for whatever reason, plays in week 17. So things are heating up quickly, and, uh, you know, this could be an interesting week. It could be very good, or it could be very bad, and I'm not really sure which one of those two it'll be.
0: Well, based on the last couple of weeks of scoring at the quarterback position, it could be very bad, but hopefully that's right. a trend <laughs> that ends this week. Uh, as we like to start this podcast, uh, we do our accountability section, which recaps the week before. Um, it was, I guess you can say okay? I mean, it depends on who you started based on recommendation. Because at the top of the podcast, our top streamers last week were Jameis Winston, who scored just under 9 fantasy points, was QB 23. Uh, Then there's Alex Smith, who scored just a shade over 11 fantasy points, was a QB 20. But we did throw in an Andy Dalton uh, segment in there, and he scored almost 17 fantasy points, which was good enough for a QB 8. Our um, rapid fires were Brock Osweiler, who scored under four fantasy points, was the QB31. Colin Kaepernick, uh, 11.62, QB17. Tyra Taylor, 15.32 fantasy points, was QB13. And uh, good old Joe Elite Flacco had 19.6 fantasy points, was the QB4. So we had a couple of uh, top 10 guys. Uh, one guy almost made top 12 in Tyrod. Uh, a couple of guys who basically should have been on your bench. Colin Kaepernick was middle of the road. Our uh, clipboard holder of the week last week was Marcus Mariota. He scored 7.32 fantasy points and was the QB 25. Uh, I know a couple weeks, not a couple of weeks, so well, three weeks ago, we talked about how the one week of fantasy scoring was just insane when we had 25 QBs right. and scored 15 or more. 15, which scored like 20 or more. But looking at the stats from last week, 13 quarterbacks scored 15 or more fantasy points.
1: Yeah, and you look at Dalton, who was QB8, and he only had 180 yards passing. So when you see that and you see QB8, you're like, all right, you know, like three touchdowns? What happened here? A rushing touchdown, maybe. But nope, he just had two touchdowns. Pretty pedestrian day, 28 total attempts. Like, It was just weird. But I guess that's good in a sense because if you did wind up starting Colin Kaepernick, like, it didn't hurt you that much. Like, actually, I mean, he was startable in two QB leagues despite what I would have deemed a pretty down game for him overall. So, in a sense, it was good because there was more room for error. Uh, But, I mean, overall, it was just kind of – it was so weird to see – uh, a second straight bad week for Drew Brees and uh, you know, it was just it was so strange to see everything that kinda transpired last week. So it it's kinda got me a little wary heading into week fifteen, I'll admit. Yeah,
0: it definitely could not have been fun for a majority of two cube years because there's Ooh. a good likelihood that you probably had at least one bad quarterback performance on
1: your roster last week. And if you didn't, uh, teach us your ways. Like, how did this happen? What did you do to avoid the minefield? I just want to pick your brain at this point because I fully fell victim to it. I was, I was huge into Jameis. That blew up my face. So uh, teach me your ways, sensei. Um, our
0: no, friend of the podcast, Greg Smith, at Greg Sauce on Twitter, one of the co-founders of 2QBs, was going on a bit of a um, tweet storm the other day about, quarterback scoring weeks and week 14 of the 2016 season i thought this was kind of interesting Um, the average fantasy points scored at the quarterback position was 12.47 which is the second lowest output since 2013 Wow, what
1: was the other one? I mean, uh, I, I guess you was, might not know that. No, I
0: have, It was a, it was week sixteen of the two thousand and thirteen season, and it was eleven point eight five fantasy points. Wow,
1: that's insane! <laughs> I mean, considering how much like passing has changed since then, like how much more efficient guys are, and how often teams are passing, that blows my mind that the, that last week happened. Just uh, we need a good week this week that's yeah (laughs) let's do it i think we can do it i don't know for sure though so we'll see (laughs) we'll see how
0: it goes um usually what we like to do on this podcast after we recap the week prior is talk about our top streamers of the week but since it is fantasy football playoff season it's the semi-final game for most fantasy leagues we kind of wanted to start things in the middle and uh with our clipboard holder of the week segment, and we're gonna do something a little different with it this week. Because fantasy matchups play a big part in our research process and in our lineup making decisions, we kind of just want to talk about the psychology of starting elite or good quarterbacks in bad matchups. Because for the most part, people look at their starting quarterback and say it's Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, and they tend to not care a whole lot. About the matchup. And we'll just start them blindly. Because of their resume. But sometimes that doesn't turn out so well. As we uh, evidence from last week's scoring. No, um, Ryan Tannehill scored 17.8 fantasy points. He scored more fantasy points then ben roethlisberger drew brees Derek carr and russell wilson combined it in <laughs>
1: week 15 I man that's insane and, and it's not even like tanny had a great matchup yeah. it. it's just like so it was so weird but yeah that's i didn't that's interesting Yeah,
0: because I'm pretty sure if you looked at a majority of people's rankings, Ryan Tannehill was ranked behind every single
1: one of those players. Oh, absolutely, absolutely,
0: because he was going up like against the Arizona Cardinals
1: last week in a monsoon essentially. (laughs) It was there was a lot of rain there. There was some wind. Like that was not a good game for quarterback scoring. But you know he had to go out on top. If that was his last game this year, at least Tanny did it the right way. So I'm not sure
0: what it's like for you, Jim, but for me, since I've been playing in two quarterback leagues for a majority of my adult fantasy football playing career, I've kind of trained myself to not care a whole lot about the names So, like, you know, the Breezes, the Rodgers, the Lux, I consider them, like, all basically brand-name quarterbacks. And when it comes to my fantasy research, I tend to strip that away when making lineup decisions, and I focus on other factors, like I mentioned, matchups. So when I see, you know, a good quarterback in a bad matchup, I will consider benching them if I have a better option. I don't find that that's something that's a whole lot common when it comes to non-industry fantasy folks so i was just wondering how you play it when it comes to you know lineup making decisions especially when you're in like week 15 and weeks week 16 of the fantasy season
1: yeah for sure because it's always so scary to put a guy like andrew luck who has helped you get to uh wherever you're at right now to put him on your bench uh but like you like you said you do kind of take the name away and i think that a good way to do that is vegas obviously Even the smart people in Vegas are going to be influenced by a name like Drew Brees and potentially inflate the Saints' implied team total for a week. But let's say we're looking at this week, and we're looking at implied team totals, and we see that the Indianapolis Colts' implied team total is 20.75. That's not really – a number we want to have in our lineup associated with our quarterback even if it is associated with a guy as good as I mean, traditionally Andrew Luck has been so I think that the best way for me to do so because I agree with you psychologically it's really hard to do that I want to kind of take myself out of it and almost not entirely but defer to vegas is kind of a guiding light like if i've got tom brady you know on my team and his implied team total like it is this week is a 23.25 that's still a kind of acceptable number and maybe i'd plug him in uh but i mean like I'm going to try to let Vegas guide me more than I do in other situations. Uh, like maybe there's a guy who I really like who is in a good match. Maybe Vegas doesn't like them. Then I'll trust myself a bit more. But when it comes to, you know, guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, I do want to defer to Vegas more and try to take myself out of it because I know I'm going to make bad decisions pretty often. And I just know that if I trust Vegas more those bad decisions seem at least a little bit less likely. Put it in the hands of someone else, someone who is smarter than me, and kind of let them be my guiding light, I guess.
0: Right. I mean, you can still have a, you know, a good quarterback and a bad matchup and still have like a high implied team total or a decent yeah. over-under number, which would give you more confidence. Like, for example, Drew Brees this week at Arizona. Uh, last time I checked, there was a 237 Five implied team total for this. season. Yeah, the, over,
1: the over-under the went up a half a point in that one. Uh, so they're up to 24 now. So maybe that's a sign should start Drew Brees. I don't know. <laughs> and, I mean, he's someone,
0: uh, this season I was looking through the game logs, there's been 12, 30 or more fantasy point games by the quarterback position, and Drew Brees does have three of them this year. And we just saw Ryan Tannehill score 18 fantasy points against the Cardinals last week. I don't think the Cardinals are as tough of a matchup <clears throat> at this point in the season, as we thought they would be going into the season, but it's still something to give you pause if you have, you no know, uh, a decent quarterback in a good matchup. Like, for example, no, we've, you mentioned Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, I know Drew Brees, uh, Matthew Stafford, Eli Manning, those are also a couple other guys who I don't think are in great positions this week. No, depending on who you have on your bench or who your other options are. For example, like someone like Kirk Cousins... I would start him
1: over every single one of those guys this week. Oh, uh, Kirk yeah. Cousins might be my I, – I hate quarterback this week, full disclosure. <laughs> but he might be my top quarterback this week. Like I would i would do that in a heartbeat.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, just looking at the implied team total, it was 28 yesterday. Now it's gone up to 28.5. Oof. The over-under is still at 51. Now Washington is favored by six. Cousins has seven straight QB1 finishes. And if I remember a tweet I saw from our good friend, and Rich Rebar. That's the second most active streak behind Aaron Rodgers' eight straight QB1 finishes. Uh, he's finished worse than QB15 only twice this year, scored 15 or more in 11 games. Carolina is allowing the 10th most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. Uh, it probably would have been crazy at the beginning of the year to think that you would start Kirk cousins over Andrew luck in your semifinal championship game. But no, this is just what happens over the course of the fantasy football season.
1: I am literally doing that in in a league. I have drafted Andrew Luck in a league, which never happens. I'm always more of a late-round dude, but he fell to the seventh, so I took him. It's a one-quarterback league, and I am starting Kirk Cousins over Andrew Luck, and it's not something that I'm super worried about either. It's like... I feel super confident in doing so just because Kirk a has been so good and there are a lot of reasons to be afraid of luck be it the implied team total be it the matchup be it that their best offensive lineman Jack Muhort is now an injured reserve there are a lot of things that should get you a little bit antsy about a good old Andrew Luck this week and I think that if it's cousins I'll absolutely do it and like we're talking there's a lot of different tiers here but one of the guys who i think belongs in this tier is matthew stafford is a guy who has been really good throughout the season but there is no way I will use Matthew Stafford this week. He has that finger injury, which really hurt him in the second half last week. He is on the road against a really good New York Giants defense. Uh, they, I think their are number fires top-ranked defense from week eight on, which is insane to me how good they've been. Also, weather concerns. So, like, we're talking about rapid-fire guys who we're, like, not as confident in. I'd use them over Matthew Stafford this week, given all the concerns he has. Like t- Trevor Simeon? Absolutely. I would use him over, over Matt Stafford this week. That's kind of uh, the mentality I'm taking is like, I really want to adjust my mental rankings based on these matchups. And with the, the situation for Stafford, it's like, avoid at all costs for yeah.
0: me. You know, In addition to the guys we already mentioned that we would have pause starting this week, I'd also throw uh, Ben Roethlisberger in there against yeah. the Cincinnati sure. Bengals. I know I I said Kirk Cousins earlier as an example. I'd start over all those guys. And that might be an easier decision for some people just based on Cousins. Cousins is that's such a weird word to (laughs) say, especially when you're sick. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins would be. Uh, I, I think that's kind of an easy decision to make this week in terms of starting yeah. him over over those days, just based on his production this year and his current situation. Um, you no know, one guy we'll talk about later in the podcast who we like is Alex Smith. I know there is already just a stigma against starting Alex Smith in general any week of the season, especially when it comes to you no know, week fifteen when you have a championship on the line. But you no, know, based on his matchup this week, like he's someone I would consider. Starting over you know the high end guys we 've talked about so far. Uh, I know uh, there was a tweet I found kind of interesting this week from, uh, you know, JJ at late round QB. It said people wondering if they should start Alex Smith or breeze Luck like Brady in the fantasy playoffs should tell you stop drafting quarterbacks early. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a, a discussion for another day, but it does make you think that we're in week 15 of the season and a quarterback like Alex Smith, who nobody really cares for, doesn't believe in him, doesn't see a whole lot of upside in his play that we're at this point of the season and considering, him over the likes of, you no, know, the Breezes, the Lux, and the Brady's. And but we believe in Alex we, Smith. I mean, if I could, I would rename two QBs to alexsmith.com. Right. But that <laughs> that URL is already taken. Trust oh, me. I've done the research. Man. <laughs> that's that's impressive that you did do the research on that though. I like that. But no, it, it just goes back to that mindset of you no know, trying to talk yourself into benching someone you've trusted, someone who has a long resume of you know, great to elite fantasy production. Uh, but the one thing that usually comes back to is the draft pick you've used on that quarterback. You no, know, in two quarterback leagues, you no, know, the the Lux and the Breezes and the Rogers, the Russell Wilsons, these are all guys you used a first or second round pick on who you expected to just lead you to a championship this season. So trying to wrap your brain around benching them in week fifteen of the fantasy football season is kind of difficult. Because you didn't expect that to happen. Most people like to draft quarterbacks early because they just want to set that position and just forget it for the rest of the season. But as you and I have mentioned and many others in the industry have, that fantasy football is a weekly game.
1: You can't you
0: know, draft a quarterback in August and expect him to start every single week of the season because they're going to have bad weeks. No matter how talented of a player they are, everybody has bad weeks.
1: Absolutely. And I think that just going about the way you said, where you try to take the name out of it and just look at uh, the, the research here, if it says don't start Tom Brady, then you probably shouldn't start Tom Brady. And I think that a good, an economics term that can help you, like, Wrap your head around this: is is it's a sunk cost. You paid that second round pick for Andrew Luck, but you're not gaining any extra value from that by putting him in your lineup. Like you're not getting any costs back uh, by putting him in your lineup. So like that's a sunk cost. It's something you can't factor in going forward. You're just gonna have to you know uh, take that loss. Put him put him on your bench if you have better options. And like go from there. Like you can't worry about what you invested in them just because they may have been costlier earlier in the season.
0: And like there's two sides of the equation too. It's most people want to start you no know, good to elite quarterbacks because they expect them to be good to elite performers every week. And right. they don't want to start you no, know, let's say no name quarterbacks because they expect them to be bad every week. It just it's not as black and white as most people like to think of it. So I decided to have some fun on the internet and research some quarterbacks. Back game logs just of week fifteen over the years, just to kind of know show you that good quarterbacks can have a bad week, especially in an important week, and that bad quarterbacks can have a good week in week fifteen. So here's a list I tweeted this out yesterday of uh, quarterbacks who finished as a QB one in week fifteen of the fantasy season going back to 2010. We had Teddy Bridgewater, Brock Osweiler, Alex Smith, Derek Anderson, Nick Foles, Matt Castle, E.J. Manuel, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, John Skelton, Rex Grossman, John Kitna, Matt Flynn, Matt Schaub, David Garrard, and Colt McCoy. Those were all QB1s in week 15 of the fantasy season. I forgot John Skelton existed. (laughs) So did a lot of people when I tweeted that (laughs) out. Uh, I didn't mention it here, but no, Jamarcus Russell is something I also tweeted out on my um, Twitter account, at 2QBFFB. Jamarcus Russell had only two games of 15 or more fantasy points in his entire career. Both of them came in the same season, week 15 and week 16 of 2008. So there's somebody out there that probably won a fantasy championship starting Jamarcus Russell. And if you are listening and that is you, please reach out to me so I can congratulate you because that I feel like might be one of the most impressive feats ever. What if they benched
1: Tom Brady, too, to get him in there? I, I guess I don't know what year that would have been for Jamarcus Russell because I, like most everyone else, have, for, again, forgotten that he exists. But also it's just insane that the first overall pick only had two games with at least 15 points. But, wow, that's right. insane. So it was 2008. Here's uh, the only elite
0: quarterbacks who finished the top 12 that week. Um, I guess you can say Paint Manning back when he was with Indy. Yep. Uh, I believe Donovan McNabb was considered an elite fantasy quarterback at one point, sure. but no. Tony Romo and Aaron Rodgers. We also have Tyler Sikpen on this list. Of course, In his amazing one-year production. Tarveris Jackson. Matt oh. Castle was the QB1 that I'm looking at right <laughs> here. Dan Orlowski. Out, no, he tied Aaron Rodgers, actually. They both had 15.32 points that year. Uh, Drew Brees was QB16, scored under 14 points. We have a... Kurt Warner sighting, I don't see, was this the year Tom Brady was injured, 2008? It must have been, if Castle were there. Eli Manning is here at QB30 with 3.64 fantasy points. I mean, if you guys ever want to just, like, have a a day of going back in time and (laughs) scrolling through fantasy football, uh, go to Fantasy Data, go to their Game tab in the Fantasy Stats section, pick any season, any week, quarterback, and just look at some of the names, because it's a lot of fun. Absolutely,
1: uh, I might wind up doing that tonight.
0: Actually, yeah. <laughs> and then on the flip side, here's some quarterbacks who you would you would hope would have you know, a great game to send you to the fantasy championship, but didn't. You know, Aaron Rodgers last year in Week 15 scored just over 10 fantasy points, was a QB 29. Uh, in 2014, Aaron Rodgers also disappointed with just six fantasy points against Buffalo. Philip Rivers, uh, Russell Wilson were both uh, low end QB twos. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Matt Stafford, Phil Rivers, Peyton Manning. These are all guys that have had no bad performances in week 15 of the fantasy season, so it can happen. Um, For some reason, I always equate Matt Ryan as a bad fantasy quarterback in the playoffs. (laughs) I feel like I might have been burned by him at one point or another. But I just decided to look at just his game logs from 2008 to 2014, and he scored – 12 or less fantasy points in week 15 four times in his career. Oh,
1: man. Matty Ice. Oh, that's not good considering his matchup this week. He has a really <laughs> high implied team total. Oh, no.
0: But, no, he's had a couple of 20-plus fantasy performances. So, like I said, he's, uh, he's done okay in week 15 at some, at some points in his
1: career. This is frightening. I need those NFL 10 shares to come through. <laughs> so uh, I can't have Matt Ryan dropping out this week.
0: So, see, that's just, like, one part of the, you know <clears> – <throat> psychology of you know, considering benching a good quarterback
1: in a bad matchup. You just – you don't want to. <laughs> so, yeah, and the thing is too is like there are a lot of dudes who could wind up on that list that you list off next year. Like there are a lot of guys who are candidates to be you know high-round picks who wound up being flops in week 15. So uh, like Sal said, it can happen. Just uh, take the name out and uh, just hope that you pick right, I guess. Right, I think that
0: uh, should lead us off into our next segment there. Uh, no, as long as you do your research and you feel confident in who you're going to start this week, I think that matters the most. But, no, just don't be influenced by someone's nameplate. Absolutely. All right, so we'll go into our top streamers of the week segment. Uh, the very first quarterback we're going to talk about this week is our good friend Tyrod. Taylor going up against the Cleveland Browns, which is one of the defenses we like to target the most when it comes to quarterback streaming. Um, Here's something that's interesting, though. When I was doing my research yesterday, this game had a 42.5 over-under. It has now dropped to 41 points. And Oof. the Bills' team uh, total has dropped from 26.15 uh, to 25.5. But the wind projection, though, this is one. it was 17 miles per hour yesterday. Now it's gone down all the way to 5 miles per hour. And there was at one point a precipitation uh, prediction for snow. But that no longer seems to be the case. So uh, either the weather port was really, really off or we just got more (laughs) data today. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was 17 miles per hour last night. It was 10 miles per hour this morning. So I was still like kind of iffy about it. But then it was down to five last time I checked. So fire away with Tyrod Taylor. And I think that there's a psychological barrier here with Tyrod Taylor. It's similar to what we talked about before. But people hate using quarterbacks when they're heavy favorites, which I get. Like that makes sense because quarterbacks do throw less when they're leading. But last year. I took a look at uh, quarterbacks who were on teams favored by 10 or more, which the bills are this week to see how they did. Uh, This is from 2012 through the first eight weeks of 2015. And the quarterbacks who were favored by 10 or more averaged 1.91 touchdowns and 0.5 interceptions per game. And if we like, equate or if we account for the quarterbacks in this sample because a lot of them were better quarterbacks given that spread they ended up scoring about the same number of points they scored on average so it's not like they get a huge boost from being in these highly favored games but they also don't take a big hit and i think that's huge for tyrod because what we want from tyrod is we want scoring opportunities not just for passing touchdowns but also for rushing touchdowns from him if you get a guy like tyrod taylor in a game where his team's implied team total is 25 and a half, which it's still very high obviously not as high as it was yesterday but still very high that gives him more opportunities for rushing touchdowns so this is an advantageous spot for him a great matchup uh, the Browns are dead last against the pass based on number of fires metrics uh, only two quarterbacks this year have failed to throw at least two touchdowns against the Browns and six of the guys who did do so did it with fewer than 30 attempts so it's not as if you need heavy volume to rack up touchdowns against this Browns defense the two guys who did didn't were ryan fitzpatrick who is atrocious and ben roethlisberger who's playing in like 30 mile per hour winds you can kind of explain those two away now that tyrod has sammy Watkins playing 94 percent of the snaps he has robert woods back uh he's got a lot of healthy assets in that offense i understand the concern about the game script here but i think that his floor in this matchup is too high to ignore
0: so do you think the cons- the concern some have is just the potential game trip because I've read a lot from you know, people I respect and who I trust in this industry that look at this as a trap game for Tyrod hmm. Taylor against the Browns.
1: Interesting. What was the the reasoning there? Because I'm curious. I think I can understand that. I just – I'd be curious what they said about it. I don't think they said anything. They just said oh. this is a, a potential trap game. Interesting. Okay, uh, I think uh, I probably have
0: to listen to the um, Living the Stream podcast. I think it was JJ that mentioned that, but I haven't listened to it yet this week. Yes. I just saw him tweeting about it. I, I think it's him. If it's not you, JJ, I apologize. <laughs> but I was just kind of wondering, like, why do people look at this as a trap game? Do they just think you no? Know, Rex Ryan doesn't care about Tyrod Taylor. They might bench him. They just think that they'll just run all over the Cleveland Browns. There won't be enough of you know the pie for Tyrod Taylor to just throw fantasy points for. But like you mentioned, Tyrod doesn't need that many pass attempts against this Cleveland Browns uh, defense. You've mentioned his rushing capability. You know, five quarterbacks have ran for 13 or more yards against Cleveland. Marcus Mariota had a high of 64. Tyrod's rushed for 60 or more twice this year. He's got you no know, five rushing touchdowns since week seven. Sammy Watkins seems back. I don't think he's fully healthy, but it looks like he's on the way to getting there, which definitely doesn't hurt. Tyra's averaging thirty six rushing yards per game. Uh, he scored fifteen or more in ten games this year. Like I don't really, I personally don't see this as a trap game for Cleveland. I feel like this is one of the top quarterbacks of the week. Because the Bills are favored by 10, they have a decently high implied team total. Tyrod Taylor has the upside because of his legs, and that's just... We have, I haven't even factored in the actual matchup itself yet. Now, Cleveland's allowing the second most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks at a rate of 19.6. They have allowed eight top-12 QB finishes. The average quarterback finish allowed by Cleveland this year is QB 11. You know they've allowed 14 plus fantasy points to 12 of the 13 quarterbacks they faced. The only one to not reach that mark was Ben Roethlisberger in that weather game. I know they've allowed 16 more to 11 quarterbacks, 18 or more to 10 quarterbacks. They've allowed two or more passing touchdowns and 11 of 13 and in four of their last five games. Like every everything that in this game is pointing towards Tyrod Taylor being a QB one this week.
1: Yeah, and I think that I think that the trap game term makes sense if you put it in the context of people could overinflate Tyrod's value just because of the matchup here. So from that perspective, it would make sense. I think that uh, from a, like the Bills' perspective, though, I don't see this being a game that could go too terribly, uh, just because like they've shown to be a competent offense when they're in okay matchups. Um, obviously, the the Oakland game was tough for Tyrod, but that was a game where you had Khalil Mack kind of you know. Re- Havoc. And the Browns don't have anyone of Khalil Mack's ilk who can kind of disrupt things. The concern here, I think, that with Tyrod may be offensive line health. Cordy Glenn, their left tackle, got hurt in the last game. He kind of rotated in and out, so he should play this week, but he's not at full health. And they'll also center Eric Wood back before their bye week. So it's been a while without him. I think that with Tyrod, you're getting—you probably do have a restricted ceiling just because of the game flow. But for me, the concern doesn't really lie in his floor, and that's why I'm pretty okay at plugging him in.
0: Yeah, I think it's safe to say that we both really like Tyrod this week.
1: Yeah. And he'd be a guy that we would consider
0: starting over some of the names we mentioned in the clipboard segment.
1: Yeah, I'd start him over Andrew Luck, absolutely. Alright, well, speaking of Andrew
0: Luck, our next quarterback of the week is not Andrew Luck, but he is playing in this game. It's uh, Sam Bradford going up against the Indianapolis Colts. This game is in Minnesota, so it's a dome game. We don't have to worry about the weather. The over-under is at 45.5. The Vikings have a, a nice implied team total of 24.75 points. And uh, I'll start things off. You hear this stat from our you know, good friend, Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Uh, he said Sam Bradford has averaged 37.3 pass attempts per game since they've changed offensive coordinators. And he has been the QB 14 or better in four of his last six games. We don't really think of Sam Bradford as someone to be, you know, fantasy consistent over the years, mainly just because he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to stay on the field for an extended period of time. But no, know bradford has been a consistent qb2 high-end qb2 low-end qb1 lately
1: yeah he's actually like been playing okay too like it's not as if this is all based on volume like the volume is there but like from an efficiency standpoint sam bradford really hasn't been that bad this year he's 14th in per dropback efficiency uh based on number of hours metrics which i guess makes sense like they do kind of skew towards dink and dunk type players like Cody Kessler's 15th in that stat. And he's not really a guy with a huge arm, which means that Bradford's not going to have huge upside. But he does have a really nice floor in this game. Uh, the Colts are 30th against the pass this year. And the reason that that's kind of, I guess, flown under the radar The past few weeks is that they've faced some really bad passing offenses. The last two teams the Colts have faced rank 29th and 30th in schedule-adjusted passing efficiency, and Minnesota is 11th in that stat, once you account for their schedules. This is a pretty tough matchup for this indie defense. They just put one of their top corners on injured reserve. Vontae Davis has been playing better recently, but he's still not really the Vontae Davis we've come to know and love. And I think that Vegas is kind of getting into this game, too, because uh, this morning the implied team total was 24.25 for Minnesota. But the over-under has gone up in this game to 45.5, which puts their implied team total at 24.75, which puts them uh, one slot below the Buffalo Bills. And they're above the New Orleans Saints. They're above the Pittsburgh Steelers, the uh, Green Bay Packers. They're above the Patriots this week. Like, that's, to me... Very interesting uh, as far as Minnesota in looking at uh, their offense here. And I think you could be worried about pace here, but that's not a huge concern. Minnesota is 16th in situation neutral pace according to Football Outsiders. Indianapolis is 13th, so it's kind of a pace up game for Minnesota too. Uh, over their last six games, the Vikings have faced the Lions twice and also Dallas. They are 26th and 30th in situation neutral pace. They also faced Washington, who is 21st. So they've faced a lot of very slow teams over this time. And like you said, Sam Bradford has still had decent fantasy outputs in those games if we look expand over the past 10 games he's at 36.8 attempts per game so i look at this this game and psychologically you don't want to use Sam Bradford. And looking at his game logs, too, like he has had no upside games at all this year. So that's a mental block as well. But I think that the path to a high upside game is there, given that he has Steph Diggs back and healthy, given that Adam Thielen is kind of balling out right now, given that Kyle Rudolph is having a great season. I think that everything is in place for Sam Bradford to have a really good game here. It's just a question of whether or not you can kind of force yourself to actually click on your name, and that's not going to be super easy all the time.
0: No, I think, too, also the involvement of Jarek McKinnon in the passing game has helped. The GOAT? because I mean, just looking at his game logs, he's had six targets in his last two games. Uh, he's caught five and six respectively. Uh, Not a whole lot of fantasy points last week. He had almost 12 two weeks. I mean, that doesn't really matter a whole lot for our purposes. But it just gives Sam Bradford another weapon in the passing game. I I know Sam Bradford doesn't have a high ceiling, but he has a couple games of 18 or more fantasy points on the year. So you know he he has the capability of reaching that 20-point plateau. He scored 15 or more six times this year. He scored 14 or more in four of his last six games. He was the QB6 last week against Jacksonville. Which was the best finish Jacksonville has allowed this season. But I think that has more to do with the lowest scoring week than anything. But it's still no, a notch on his resume. Indy's allowing the 4th most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks at 18.3. They've allowed 7 top 10 fantasy QB finishes this year. The nice thing about that stat is 4 of those have come in the last 6 games. Uh, the average quarterback finish against Indy is QB 13. They've given up two or more touchdowns nine times this year. They've allowed 16 or more fantasy points to a quarterback in nine of their 13 games, uh, 20 or more points in seven games. Prior to facing uh, Brock Osweiler and the quarterbacks, whoever the New York Jets put on the field the last two (laughs) weeks, uh, they had allowed four straight 20-plus fantasy points Prior to those two games. Uh, and in those four games, they gave up an average of 290 passing yards, 2.75 passing touchdowns, 0.25 INTs, 24.33 fantasy points, and an average QB finish of seven. Uh, those quarterbacks were Ben Roethlisberger, Marcus Mariota, Aaron Rodgers, and the combination of Nick Foles and Alex Smith
1: the so, two-headed monster
0: <laughs> so yeah i think there's a little bit of a talent gap when you throw in rogers and roethlisberger compared to you no know, petty Fitz, and brock but you no know, nick Foles and alex smith no one really considers them to be elite quarterbacks other than you me and maybe like <laughs> five people on twitter but it's you now the matchup is there for sam bradford to have
1: a, a decent game this week yeah, I think that Sam Bradford's best comp would kind of be that Kansas City offense, given the the makeup of the Vikings, given what they do offensively. I think that's actually a pretty good comp. So seeing Smith and Foles do well against them, I think, sets up well uh, for Sam Bradford in this game. And it could wind up being, potentially, this is a ceiling game. I mean, you never know. He hasn't shown a ceiling so far, but maybe that winds up showing up in Week 15.
0: No, if you look at that duel of Smith and Foles, they combine for 350 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a fantasy point total of, I'm just doing the math right now, 26.8 fantasy points. You take that from Sam Bradford. (laughs) This game happened in week eight, so if you combine those totals, they would have finished as the, let me get this here, QB, do, do, uh, hold on. This is what happens when you don't do research before. <laughs> 26.8 fantasy points in week eight would have been good enough for QB six.
1: Nice. I could take that. And they would have been QB like two last week.
0: <laughs> and uh, if you look at some of the game logs, this is a defense that allowed you know, Brian Hoyer, rest in peace, 397 <laughs> passing yards, Whew. two touchdowns, and almost 24 fantasy points.
1: Absolutely, let's go.
0: The potential is there for Sam Bradford to be a league winner this week.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking for like a, a gauge of where I would view him at least, like I, I'm starting him over Mariota in a league where a one quarterback league where I have uh, Mariota. I picked up Bradford this week. I'm going to use him over Mariota. I'd use him over Matthew Stafford for sure. I would use him over Eli Manning, and I'd consider it over Andrew Luck. Uh, not quite. I haven't quite talked myself into that one yet, though. <laughs> we'll see how that one winds up. Well, I know
0: we weren't going to talk about—well, we don't talk about the Minnesota Vikings defense this week, but um, they have allowed one, two, only two top-12 finishes all season long.
1: It's not too bad.
0: (laughs) uh, You'll take that as a uh, defense? I think I would. So moving on, our last uh, top streamer of the week— Again, this is someone we talk about a lot, maybe sometimes unhealthily, but it's Alex Smith, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, who are currently a Super Bowl contender.
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, they, I was looking at the Super Bowl odds earlier. I think that they're up to like 7% on number fire now. Like, that's yeah. a thing.
0: That It is. A, imagine, like, Alex Smith's name etched in the Lombardi Trophy.
1: Uh, next to future Trevor Simeon. Super Bowl <laughs> 55, I think it is, that he's supposed to be tr- or Super Bowl champion. So uh, it's coming, people.
0: Well, does he, did he get a ring last year for being on the he team?
1: He did, yeah. He was on the team, um, but I don't count it yet because <laughs> he has so many more rings he'll get before he retires that there's really no point for me in counting that
0: one. He's got at least five left. That's right. him, and, him and Cody Kessler are going to win all the Super Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> all right so going to this game the tennessee titans at beginning of the year did not start off as a defense we targeted a whole lot because they did a pretty good job at stopping the quarterback but that has not been the case (sighs) lately we'll get in that soon enough but just looking at the game uh it currently has a 43 over under it was 42 yesterday the Chiefs implied team total is now at 23.5 but it was 25 yesterday so that one and a half point kind of dings the luster on uh, Smith here this week, but the matchup is just too good to pass up on it. So here's the thing about the Tennessee Titans defense. Uh, here we go. since week six, they have allowed an average of 323 passing yards They've given up six games of 300 or more passing yards out of their last eight. They've allowed an average of 2.25 passing touchdowns, 0.63 INTs, and 24 fantasy points. They have allowed 17 or more fantasy points in eight straight games, and that includes games to the illustrious list of Cody Kessler, Blake Bortles, Matt Barkley, Trevor Simeon, um, Brock Osweiler even had a good game against him this year. And just a split here to try and show you just how bad this defense has become over the course of the year. From week five, from week five, from week one to week five, the average quarterback finish against Tennessee was QB 22, and the best quarterback finish during that span was QB 17. From week six to week 14, the average quarterback finish against Tennessee is QB seven, with the worst finish being QB 13.
1: Yeah, and the thing, too, is it's not just like the Kessler, Bortles, Barkley, and Simeon group just lucked into those points. They all threw for at least 316 yards. Like, Matt Barkley was the low end of that at 316. Kessler, Bortles, and Simeon all exceeded that, which to me is totally bonkers to see, you know, passing totals from those guys, not to tarnish Kessler's legacy by tossing him in with Blake Bortles or anything, but, like, those aren't necessarily top-tier quarterbacks, and... Obviously, Alex Smith isn't really a top tier quarterback either, but he is at least competent and I think that he can exploit this defense. We're looking from week eight on Tennessee ranks 27th against the pass. They are just ahead of New Orleans um, and ahead of not too many other teams over that stretch. And the good thing here that I think will benefit Alex Smith is that you mentioned the Vegas movement. That actually does benefit Kansas City because the spread tightened a bit. Uh, they're now only five-point favorites. I guess there were five points before. But the thing about this game is that Kansas City is without Derek Johnson, who is uh, one of their better defensive players. And what we saw Thursday night was that once Johnson left, the Raiders— were able to move the ball pretty well on the ground, uh, which could mean that Tennessee will score points in this game, prevent the Chiefs from kind of grinding things out with Spencer Ware. The thing is, too, Spencer Ware has really struggled ever since uh, Parker Ahinger went out, uh, which has allowed Kansas City to have more pass attempts. uh, Tennessee, 15th against the Rush, but teams don't really run against them. They've allowed... Uh, more than 100 yards just once in the past nine games because I think teams have realized that you can exploit them through the air. And in those nine games, they've held their opponents below 70 rushing yards five separate times, which is a really good rate. So they're essentially one of the bigger funnel defenses in the league, and that lines up well for Alex Smith. Normally, we don't like him too much when. Kansas City's a heavy favorite. They're kind of in that realm this week at five-point favorites, but I'm not too concerned about volume in this game. I think there should be enough. For Alex Smith to have one of those classic Alex Smith floor games. And given the selections on this week, I think I would take one of those floor games right now. You know, it's kind of you know, hard
0: to want to run against this defense when they're allowing the most passing yards per game at right. a clip of 290.9. They're the only team to allow more than 290 passing yards per game. That's insane. You know, they've allowed two or more touchdowns in seven of their last eight games. You no, know, uh, <clears throat> Ten quarterbacks have scored 16 or more fantasy points against him this season. They have allowed 20 more five times. Uh, Alex Smith has scored 15 or more fantasy points in five games this year. Hasn't done a whole lot the last two weeks, but then again, no, not, not that many quarterbacks really have. Uh, one thing I found interesting is like, this was a game that was on TV while I was at the gym last week, so I kind of got to glance uh, at the screen a few times. And one of the times I was watching was that 38-yard touchdown strike to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Uh, It's not something you talk a whole lot about when it comes to Alex Smith. This is deep ball. But uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Alex Smith was 3-for-3 on 20-plus yard passes for 109 yards and a touchdown against Oakland last week. Uh, He has a full complement of healthy weapons now that Jeremy Macklin is back. And I was looking through the numbers because I just wanted to see how many passes the Titans had allowed of 20 or more yards. And at first, I didn't believe this number because I thought it was too high. But on the year, the Titans have allowed 46 completed (laughs) passes of 20 or more yards. How? I I don't know. But the the thing is, that's not even the most in the league. Philadelphia (laughs) has allowed 50 of them. Ooh, Mike Wallace gonna have a fun week. <laughs> so the Titans basically allowed three and a half um, passes of twenty or more yards per game. It's so the sixth most in the league, and uh, ten quarterbacks have completed twenty or more pass plays versus Tennessee this year, for um, Pro Football Reference. So we don't think of Alex Smith as a deep threat, but the addition of Tyreek Hill
1: to this offense has really changed things. Yeah, and it's not just Tyree Kill. In that same game that you were talking about, they threw a deep pass to Travis Kelsey down the middle of the field, too, and he hauled it in because he's a freak, obviously. Um, So it does seem as if this offense may be opening up a bit, and given Tennessee's weakness against those deep passes, I don't think that's something we should expect to be a one-week anomaly either. So... We never really associate Alex Smith with a high upside game, and you know that's—I think that's a concern here too, just because of the game potential game script. They could run it with Spencer Ware, even if they don't run that well, because he's Andy Reid and he can do what he wants. Um, but I, I think that we could be seeing a slight shift here, given the personnel in Kansas City. They have guys who can go deep, so why not use them? I guess exactly. It might not be a Jamal Charles five-touchdown day, but maybe it could be a Tyreek Hill
0: five-touchdown day.
1: Man, (laughs) we can only hope.
0: (laughs) All right, so that does it for our top streamers of the week. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is usually called the rapid-fire section of the week. But uh, as our good friend Sean Ficchetti at Fantasy Process mentioned on Twitter, it's not always that rapid. So this week we're just going to call it the fire emoji segment of the week.
1: And I can live with that.
0: I think yeah, we'll, we'll let it ride for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, first quarterback up on that list is Colin Kaepernick, who has not made a whole lot of friends in the fantasy community lately, but we're going back to the well. Uh, the 49ers are on the road against the Atlanta Falcons in the go- Dome game. Don't need to worry about weather. Uh, this game has a 51 over under. The 49ers have an implied team total of 18.75, which is a quarter of a point more than yesterday. Moving on up. <laughs> might not matter a whole lot. But um, side note, the Falcons have an implied team total of 32.5. That, I feel like that might be the highest we've seen all year.
1: It's the highest I've seen in a long... It was probably There was probably one last year with the Patriots. I, they might have had a 33 game at one point. I can go back through and check. Uh, but... You don't see that very often, and it probably means you're going to want to use a couple Falcons this week if you can find them.
0: This might be one of Matt Ryan's good Week 15 games. We oh, hope yeah, I can means. only hope. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the reason why we're starting Colin Kaepernick against Falcons, Atlanta is allowing the most fast points per game quarterbacks at 19.7. They are one of three teams allowing an average of two or more passing touchdowns. The other two teams are Cleveland and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Atlanta has allowed two or more touchdowns in seven games. They've allowed six top five QB finishes on the season. None since week nine, though. Um, the last four quarterback finishes against Atlanta, QB 25, Carson Wentz, QB 18, Carson Palmer, QB 19, Alex Smith, QB 22, Jared Goff. I think that might have to do more with uh, talent than <laughs> scenario. They On the season, they've allowed five quarterbacks to score 20 more fantasy points in the game. They've allowed eight to reach the 15. A famous point marker um, Cam Newton 30 rushing yards and Aaron Rodgers 60 rushing yards are the most yards allowed on the ground to quarterbacks by Atlanta this year um, <clears throat> one thing we like about Colin Kaepernick is his rushing capabilities and he's averaging 52 rushing yards per game and On the year, this was a set I was digging up because I know the Atlanta defense hasn't been that you know, great, 12 quarterbacks have scored 30 or more fantasy points in a game. Uh, if you combine Jameis Winston and Mike Glennon in week 9, Atlanta would be the only defense to have allowed two quarterbacks to score 30 or more fantasy points in a game.
1: Wow, I didn't realize that. Okay. I didn't realize that that game was so good for Winston and Glennon, I guess, either. Uh, Mike Glennon, the GOAT, apparently. Uh, But, yeah, I think that there are a lot of reasons to like cap in this game. He's kind of one of those guys where you don't – He's one of the few guys where I don't consider implied team total just because he's kind of separate from that. And his his value doesn't necessarily come from touchdowns. Like, he can generate a lot of value with his legs. And the good thing here is with that heavy spread, it's not going to be a game where they can just shove it down Carlos Hyde's throat like 30 times, which is kind of, it seems like, what the 49ers want to do. But that's not really possible when you're a 13 or so point underdog. I think that the only thing that really worries me here for Cap is... They've got a lot of injuries. Uh, their left tackle, Joe Staley, missed wa- last week's game. It's still Wednesday, so not sure what his status is for this week. Uh, but their center is now on injured reserve. He hasn't been good this year, but he was starting for a reason. Like That means that the, their alternative is likely worse, uh, which could be scary. Their tight end, Vance McDonald, rest in peace, is on injured reserve too. So there are some injuries here, and that does hurt Cap a lot for me. I would I would probably put him in the streaming section if he – Didn't have those injuries, but those are a thing. The the matchup, though, does help. Uh, Atlanta 26th against the pass, and that does include the time when Desmond Trufant was healthy, and he obviously no longer is. So you add in the dome, you add in the matchup. I think that this could be an okay game for Cap, but I'm a bit more wary with him than I am with others, just due to those injuries.
0: Yeah, I know. Losing Vance McDonald doesn't help. I didn't think that's something we would say at the beginning of the season, but he'd become a trusty, (laughs) reliable option for Colin Kaepernick in the passing game. I mean, if you look at the game log for Colin Kaepernick, it started off just fantastic. He had scored 14 or more in six of his eight games. He had scored 18 or more in five of his eight games. Uh, He had that week 13 snow game benching uh, week. 14 he almost put up 12 fantasy points not a whole lot but the thing is we have to try and figure out is he more in the Wentz Goff tier of quarterbacks that have faced Atlanta or is he in the Cars Breeze Winston tier oh
1: man and, that's in, that's scary <laughs> you know, in,
0: in terms of talent I would say he's like right in the middle like he's not as bad as Wentz Goff but of course he's not as good as like a Breeze or a car but we always want to start uh, Colin Kaepernick because of his rushing capabilities and he's the fewest rushing yards he's had in a game this year is twenty. I know that's only two fantasy points; it's not a whole lot, but he is averaging fifty-two, and that's including three games where he's rushed for twenty-three yards or less. Uh, so I think that's a pretty high number when you total it all out, because and that includes a game where he was benched as well. So you know, if you can, like we always talk about, adding like a five to six fantasy point boost to Kaepernick's four from his rushing capabilities. It is something we are always looking for and we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton have you no know, pretty good games on the ground against them if Colin Kaepernick can get that going I feel like he has the potential of being like a top 12 top 15 quarterback
1: this week yeah and Paxton Lynch at 18 rushing yards against them and Jameis Winston who I don't he's not really that athletic I think people put him in that tier he's really not though he's kind of not that fast. He had 17 rushing yards, too. So, uh, like, it's not as if it's just dudes who are athletic like uh, like Rodgers and Cam. Like, you can get a decent little floor even if you're not the most athletic guy in the world. It's going to be interesting to
0: see his like ownership percentage this week because he's coming off of two bad games. Yeah. Now week 15 and he's playing the Atlanta Falcons defense who, you know, you consider to be a bad fantasy defense, but just because of who they've played lately, it hasn't been the case. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people are going to go back to Colin Kaepernick. Well, in week 15,
1: yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. I think that uh, he'll be one of the more interesting name names to watch this week just because of all the narratives that surround – that always come with Colin Kaepernick.
0: All right, so moving on from Kaepernick, we're going to go to uh, Trevor Simmons, who I'm still trying to figure out if he is Jim's favorite quarterback or <laughs> second favorite quarterback between Cody Kessler.
1: Do you want to settle what? the debate? it's It's different because I like Cody Kessler because he was uh, he was good at USC when he had you know an actual head coach um, and his numbers at USC up until his final year were always better than Jared Goffs his final year there was a lot of coaching turnover, so I've always kind of pulled for him and then he did well at Cleveland, so when he started, so I was like, all right, you know I can get on the Cody Kessler bandwagon with Trevor it's exclusively because we went to the same school like if he didn't go to Northwestern, like I'm not sure. If I would have any affinity towards Trevor Simeon, um, but because of that, I do love Trevor, and he does get the edge over Kessler because of that. I do, I do have stronger ties to my school than I do to the spreadsheets. That for whatever reason I don't, I haven't figured it out. Yet, but for whatever reason, love Cody Kessler, so it would go to Simeon from. But from like an analytics perspective, I would still go Kessler, I guess. All
0: right. Maybe uh, it's a debate to come back to next year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So this game, the Denver Broncos are at home against the New England Patriots, who are defense that I feel are underrated in terms of targeting from a quarterback streamer's perspective on the year. Uh, This game currently has a 43.5 over-under, which is half a point less than it was when I checked yesterday. And the Broncos' implied team total has dropped from 20.5 to 20.25. Not a big deal, but still something to monitor in case the spread and the total keeps dropping later on into the week. Uh, <clears throat> so one thing I've done the past few weeks is mention a metric created by Sean Fichetti at Fantasy Process called Pave, which is points allowed versus expectation. Uh, heading into Week 14, the New England Patriots had allowed the um, second, or not allowed, had the second highest Pave rating, uh, allowing 17.7 percent more. Points to the quarterback position than expected uh, Sean is on vacation This week so he did not provide An update But seeing how Joe Flacco scored Almost uh, 20 fantasy points Against the Patriots last week I would imagine that number to <laughs> have gone up This week So New England is allowing the ninth most Fantasy points per game to quarterbacks 17.5 The average quarterback finish against the Patriots Is QB 14 uh, And <clears throat> They've allowed four top 10 QB finishes out of their last six games. And they've allowed 16 or more fantasy points in 10 games this season. Only two quarterbacks to face New England have scored under 14 fantasy points. That's uh, Brock Osweiler and Jared Goff. And they've allowed two or more touchdowns in four of their last games. And that list is Joe Flacco, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Colin Kaepernick, and Russell Wilson.
1: Not the most uh, illustrious list of names there. I think no, you could say. No, it is not. Even Derek and touchdown, off. Trevor. Touchdown, Trevor's. Uh, I think he. We can put him in, in above that group. He can ascend to a higher level because. He's actually not playing too too poorly right now. If we look at his past four games, Simeon has uh, .15 passing net expected points per dropback, which is the metric we use over at number fire. He was at .05 before that, so he's gone up a full tenth of a point, which is uh, a really solid jump. His success rate is 47.19%, which is right about average for a quarterback, so the past four games Simeon despite playing on the road has been pretty solid. Uh, if we look at number fires metrics for the Patriots, they are they are down to 19th against the pass overall this year and they are 26th from week 8 on. So we do see a bit of movement there <clears throat> for the Patriots, but I think that in looking at this game, my biggest concern before starting my research was that implied team total um, at 20.25. That's not really within my realm of consideration usually, but... uh, that, that to me is kind of a weird total because you look at this game, it involves the teams that are ranked 5th and 7th in situation neutral pace according to Football Outsiders. So you would assume there are going to be a lot of plays in this game, and it's not as if New England's defense is great, and obviously their offense is. So I would assume – I'd skew way towards the over on the points on this game. I would bet that they'll be able to surpass that, and Simeon could be a big part of that. You could be – I get, I understand if you would be a bit worried about Simeon in negative game script uh, and against the Patriots defense, that is a thing that could happen. But uh, the Broncos have been underdogs five separate times this year. And based on the Rotoviz of his game splits app, Simeon averages 273 yards and two touchdowns per game in those situations where they've been underdogs. And it's not just one game he, in their past four games. They've been underdogs because the first game where he was an underdog was that season opener against Carolina, Uh, his first start of his career, 170 yards in that one, one touchdown, two picks. But since then, he has never been below 250 yards passing. He was an underdog when he had that four-touchdown game against Cincinnati. He had 283 yards against Oakland, 258 against New Orleans, and then 334 last week against Tennessee his fantasy performances outside of that, that his first career start have all been really good when he's been an underdog. And it's too, too soon to say definitively that that's who he is. Like he's going to be a guy who does well in negative game script, but looking at the pave metric, like you were talking about from Sean, looking at uh, the Patriots declining pass defense overall on number fires metrics. I think this all lines up to be a solid game from Simeon. And I like him a lot more now than I did when I first started my research, which to me makes him a stronger play. Like when I dug in, he looked a lot better than he did did initially. And he's coming into this game on a hot streak, at least a
0: hot streak in terms of for Trevor right. Simeon. Right, he scored fourteen or more in four straight games. He's been the QB seven and the QB four the last two weeks. He has thrown three hundred more yards in two straight games. One game was against Kenneth. Tennessee. No, one game was against Kansas city. The other game was against Tennessee. New England has allowed three games of 300 plus yards this season to the quarterback, including one to Joe Flacco last week. And just looking over the game logs, the Broncos offense has become more skewed to the quarterback and the passing game, mainly because of the injuries they've suffered and the lack of efficiency from the run game as of late. And looking at new England, they have not allowed one single 100-yard rushing performance to a running back this year, which that kind of blows my mind in 14 games.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess it makes sense given, like, game flow. But, like, they faced Shady twice, and I'm surprised he never made it. I guess one of those was is so, uh But still, that is surprising.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah. McCoy had seventy yards in Week Four. Um, Gillisley had eighty-five in Week Eight. No, they've allowed um, one to five eighty-plus rushing yard games this season, but they tend to allow yards on or not yards on the yards to the to the running back position as well. Just looking, Kenneth Dixon, and I'm not even going to try to. Pretend to announce his last name, but the Juice Man. They combined for 88 rushing yards and a touchdown last week against New England. Uh, Sean Drone and Carlos Hyde had 67 and a touchdown in week 11. CJ Procyce had that big game where he had 87 yards through the air. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Giovanni Bernard, Cleveland Rounds backs, McCoy, David Johnson. Like, New England has given up yards to the running back position through the air which I think just helps Trevor Seaman because it just gives them one more option in the passing game. <clears throat> and if you're looking at a definition
1: of a final defense, this potentially could be it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's – and it sets up well for game flow too. Like it makes sense from an efficiency standpoint that they're they're better against the rush than they are the pass. But also they, they tend to play games where their opponent has to throw more. And if you're going to be throwing the ball more and throwing the ball efficiently, which – players have done against new England this year. Like that's, that's a really good formula for fantasy success. So I will admit I was a bit late getting on the bandwagon that you had been on before of using quarterbacks against new England, but I'm, I'm fully on board now and I'm willing to include Simeon as being one of the guys who could benefit from that.
0: I know they added Justin Forsett last week, but even then the Broncos ran for 18
1: yards last week, nine total running back (laughs) attempts in that game. Ooh, uh, I think Simeon ran for, like, 20 last week, didn't he? Let me check that out. He had,
0: uh, I'm on the Trevor Simeon page, not last week. Uh, in week 12, he had 23.
1: Okay, okay. So we're getting a little bit of that uh, That 4.38 speed that Trevor <laughs> Simeon uh, once joked that he had in a press conference. It was a, it was a joke. He doesn't actually run a 4.38, but, you know, it's uh, it's within the realm of possibilities. You never know.
0: And... No, something else to keep in mind when it comes to Trevor Simeon is he's shown a ceiling this week. He has two games of yeah. you know, near
1: 30 fantasy points. Yeah, so it's, it's not like Sam Bradford where we haven't seen the ceiling yet and we're kind of hoping it's there. Simeon has shown it, and he's got guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who's very good. Demarius Thomas, also very good. <laughs> A.J. Derby and his revenge game against the New England Patriots. Like He's got weapons, man. A.J. Derby revenge game. Don't sleep on it this week. How crazy! Please Please sleep (laughs) on it. Don't. That was joking. I didn't mean it. Please do not use actual dollars on AJ Derby this week.
0: Someone is going to win a lot of DFS dollars stacking Simeon and Derby this week.
1: If they do, I will send you my PayPal address. Uh, But if you don't, you didn't hear it from me.
0: I mean, just a a quick aside here. How crazy is it that we went from a quarterback back in June, who I kind of just wrote up as a wild card based on some reports to be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Never expecting him, one, to actually be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And two, to be someone you're considering starting in week 15 of the fantasy football season.
1: And, like, for me, it's weird because, like, uh, the one bowl game I've ever been to was the Gator Bowl back in – I think this was 2013. The starting quarterbacks in that game were Kane Coulter. And I don't remember who started for Mississippi State, but the backups in that game were Trevor Simeon and Dak Prescott. And now they're both tearing up the fantasy scene. So uh, the Gator Bowl back in <laughs> down in Jacksonville was a, I guess, foreteller of fantasy goodness for the backups, not the starters, though. Sorry, Kane.
0: <laughs> there we go. All right, so moving on to uh, the last uh, fire emoji recommendation of <laughs> uh, This one can be considered a little bit of a desperation play if you're in a bind and needing a quarterback who you can just pick up off waivers. And that's Matt Moore, who's starting for – Ryan Tannehill. This game is the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets has an over under of 38. The Dolphins have an implied team total of 20.25. Looks like precipitation says a little bit foggy. Chance of rain, 8 miles per hour wind factor. It was 5 miles per hour yesterday, so it's going in the direction we don't want it to go. It's uh, Matt Moore time again in the NFL. I think some people expected <laughs> that to happen because Ryan Tanhill wasn't playing <laughs> well. And at points he wasn't this uh, season, but he kind of, he had a good week last week before his presumed ACL tear, which luckily for the Dolphins was not an ACL tear. As they're saying, he might actually return in week 17 because the Dolphins are somehow in the playoff
1: picture. That's weird. I didn't really see that one coming, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, we're looking at Matt more. Like, obviously, you're starting him mostly in a de- desperation spot. So, like, you know, don't go out of your way to use him, but... It is fine. Uh, In this game, it's a matchup with the Jets, which we know that they're a better rush defense than they are pass defense. So you you would think that they'd be inclined to pass the ball more. But also the Dolphins, they just put their center, Mike Pouncey, on injured reserve, which means they're probably not going to be able to run the ball effectively in this game. When you combine the matchup and uh, Pouncey being out— The Jets are 29th against the Pass in their past seven games. They faced just one team, that was the New England Patriots, that ranks better than 15th in schedule-adjusted passing efficiency. So we've kind of... I guess, not really forgotten about the Jets, but put them on the back burner because of matchups. But they're still, again, 29th against the pass. They have faced uh, the bottom two teams over that span and also four of the bottom six teams in passing efficiency. So if you forgot about the Jets, it's likely because of their matchups, but they are back in play for this week at least. And Matt Moore, he wasn't awful his last time as a starter back in 2011. Like, he was a bit below replacement level based on number fire's metrics, but a guy who is below replacement level can beat the Jets this year based on how they play, based on how they've looked Uh, recently. It seems as if they've given up. So I think that Moore has a respectable floor. He's not a guy, again, I want to – want to use, but I think I, you know, you could do a worse than him at least. Yeah, I mean, like, if
0: you're forced to start him for whatever reason, you could do worse this week. Uh, looking at some of the quarterbacks are going to be starting... But I was looking through the game logs of Matt Moore just to try and get a feel for what he has done, which is nothing lately, but he does have 18 or more fantasy point uh, games in his career. He's done that six times. None have come since 2011, though, as he's been in the backup uh, roulette. But looking at his game logs in 2011, he had three games where he threw three passing touchdowns. Uh, I know we don't really consider Matt Moore. Actually, I don't know if it's not that we don't consider it. I just don't think a whole lot of people think of Matt Moore when it comes to fantasy football just because he hasn't had an opportunity to be on the field much. So when I'm looking at the game logs of the New York Jets, like based on story and situation, Josh McCown stood out the most to me because he's a, a journeyman, backup quarterback for the most part. In week eight against the Jets, McCown threw for 340 yards, two touchdowns, and scored 22 fantasy points against him. I'm not saying Matt Moore is going to score 22 fantasy points this week against the Jets, but I think the possibility of him having a decent game is there. And like you said, respectable floor. The Jets are allowing the 12th most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks at 17.4 per game. They've allowed 18 or more fantasy points in a game to the quarterback position seven times this year. They've allowed two or more touchdowns in six games. Uh, it. No, it kind of lines up for Matt Moore. I could see him having, like, a you know, 14, 15-point fantasy point game this week.
1: Yeah, and given the selections that we have this week, like, there are a lot of really scary situations. Like, that that a 14 or 15-point day really isn't that bad. So I think that, that Matt Moore is a fine choice. And, uh, you know, it's not fun, but you might have to do it at this point. So if you're in the spot where you have to start him, at least you can feel a little bit better about it.
0: Yeah, like, there's no upside with him. But right. there's a safe floor. Exactly. And, you know, when you compare him to, like, say, someone like Jared Goff, who's got to play the Seattle Seahawks, uh, it's an easy choice to start Matt Moore over him, for example.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, I think that same would go for me with, like, RG3. Like, I might use Matt Moore over him. Like, he's kind of in that same realm for me. I'd have to think more about that one, but I think he's kind of in that in that tier at least.
0: Right. And so that uh, does it for quarterback streaming podcast this week. Uh, I just wanted to mention this before we wrap things up with Matt Moore. Now starting for the Miami dolphins this week, we have reached the point where 50 different quarterbacks will have started at least one game in the NFL in the
1: 2015, 2016 season. That's insane. I love that you keep track of that. Like, that makes me so happy that it's like a, the counter on the site. It, it makes my day whenever it goes up a notch.
0: It will be interesting to see if it surpasses last year's total of 53 because this is week, five, week 15. So we still have two more weeks
1: to go and who knows what could happen in those two weeks there's plenty that could happen (laughs) like uh we always have like the weird week 17 like i don't think the browns are in consideration to you know pull off one of their weird dudes who starts week 17 this year but um it can get kind of weird you know maybe a christian hackenberg emergence happens you never know what will happen no you never know what will happen so it's gonna be uh Fascinating to see how this week plays out
0: when we talk about it on next week's podcast. Uh, So just a quick week 15 uh, recap. Our top streamers of the week, Tyrod Taylor, Sam Bradford, and Alex Smith. Our uh, fire emoji guys, Colin Kaepernick, Trevor Simeon, and Matt Moore. We didn't have a traditional... Clipboard Holders segment, but a few guys you're going to want to at least consider leaving on your bench if you have better options. Uh, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger. It is going to be a wacky, wild, and weird
1: week in the world of fantasy football. Yes, indeed it is. And uh, I'm partially very nervous about that, but partially also very excited. And it got a little bit weirder, too, um, while we were doing this podcast. The Saints put their left tackle, Taron Armstead, on injured reserve. Um, And that was one of the guys I'd mentioned as being a reason I didn't hate Breeze, because he played all the snaps last week, uh, but he's been dealing with an injury the entire year. So that makes Drew Breeze a little bit riskier. So it just got a little bit more fun this week.
0: all right so that does it for the uh, week 15 qb2 experience podcast as always i'm uh, one of your co-hosts salvatore Stefanelli. you can find me on twitter at 2qb you can find my work on the website that presents this podcast which is 2qbs com. uh jim why don't you let the audience out there know where they can find you and your work
1: Yep, I'm on Twitter at jimsannes, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S, and then all my work is up on numberfire.com.
0: Perfect. All right, everybody out there listening still have a fight left in this thing we call fantasy football. Good luck, happy streaming, and hopefully we get to talk to you again next week.